0: Well, we're starting our series out of Philippians. And there's a number of reasons why we want to take a look at this letter that Paul writes to the church in Philippi. And first of that has to do with the occasion of the letter of Philippians. Paul had founded the church in Philippi, and you can read about Paul's founding of the church in Acts chapter 16. Paul had wanted to go to Asia to take the good news but he said he was kept by the spirit from going there. And instead, Paul has a vision of a man in Macedonia saying, "Come over to Macedonia and help us." And so Philippi was where Paul had gone and and started the church there. Philippi is also where Paul suffered. He was beaten and imprisoned. In fact, it's in Philippi where we get the story of Paul being in prison and the earthquake coming and Paul miraculously being freed and then preaching the good news to the jailer there in Philippi. We know that this letter is probably written by Paul from prison as he's under house arrest in Rome. The Philippians had sent Epaphroditus with uh, some funds and some well wishes to Paul. And Paul is thanking them for their support and their ability to be co-workers with Paul for the sake of the gospel. And so Paul is under a stay-at-home order and is physically distant from his beloved community in Philippi. Now, about the city in Philippi. This was a Roman colony, which was a big deal for a city that was under Roman control. It was in Macedonia, and it had a lot of former soldiers that had fought in the Roman Legion. Philippi was originally named after Philip, who was the father of Alexander the Great. It was a multicultural city of Romans and Greeks and people of different cultures from the surrounding area. And there was also apparently a small group of Jews. There were cults and temples to different gods and goddesses, including the imperial cult where they worshipped the emperor or the emperor's family. Now as a Roman colony with a lot of former military and the worship of the imperial cult, Roman nationalism was a big part of this city. And so Philippians has a lot of echoes for us today. Philippians is full of encouragement amidst absence or joy in the midst of any situation. And so I hope we find encouragement from Paul's words as well as in the the situations that we face today, which seem to be ever increasing. And so as we begin our look at Philippians, would you pray with me? Jesus, we thank you for these words. We thank you for this letter that Paul writes to a beloved group of fellow believers in Philippi. And I thank you that these words continue to speak into our lives today. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts together be pleasing to you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Paul writes to the Philippians, first of all, as partners in the gospel. Paul is thankful when he thinks of the Philippians because they are partners in the work. They have supported Paul financially. They have been in prayer for Paul. They have sent one of their own to help care for Paul. And I can tell you as a pastor receiving encouragement from the partners in the gospel that I have identified with Paul's thankfulness. As I've been receiving cards and texts and emails from all of you, I am so thankful for that encouragement from our co-workers in Christ. Paul is confident that God is continuing to do a good work in the lives of of the Philippians. And specifically what he's talking about is discipleship. Paul's not saying that the the gospel is incomplete. Rather, it's the work that God is doing in each of us that continues to unfold. And Paul is praying that that work would continue to unfold in the lives of the Philippians. And so he talks about the process that we sometimes call sanctification or holiness, which is really the process of being molded into the image of Christ. And this is a lifelong process that each of us are a part of, being molded and shaped more and more into the image of Christ. And so Paul sees these Philippians as partners. And we'll see that being partners with a prisoner in Rome isn't always or really isn't usually a popular thing to be. In fact, some Christians are lifted up for standing up for their faith and suffering in prison because of it, while other Christians are criticized for standing up for their faith and suffering prison because of it. And we see this with Paul the philippians are supporting paul but we know that others see paul's imprisonment as as a problem and so paul sees his own chains as an opportunity to advance the message of the kingdom of god you know reading through this scripture i think that most of us can identify with verse 8 in particular where it says God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. You know, as we've been stuck at home and stuck with our family and we're trying to process uh, this disruption and we're trying to process job loss and mental health and family dynamics and schooling, all of that from home without being able to sit down face-to-face with someone and and try and process that through conversation, sitting across the table and just talking with someone else. On top of that, we're trying to process the upheaval of continued unrest due to expressions of racism and and violence in, in a number of communities. And honestly, uh, social media isn't the place to try and process our grief with one another. Watching the news and the media to find comfort isn't working. And so we are looking forward, longing to be with others. Paul prays for the fellow believers in Philippi. And in verse 9, he tells them what his prayer has been. He says uh, that he's praying that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Lynn Kohick in her commentary, writes, As the Philippians' love grows more and more, they will think differently about God and the world. Paul begins by starting with love. This reflects Jesus' greatest commandments to love God and to love others. In 1 Corinthians 13, which we often call the love chapter, Paul talks about the connection of love and wisdom, love and knowledge. And he writes there, If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, he says, I am nothing. See, love is the starting point and the ending point, but love also learns and grows. You know, when I finished up high school and was heading to college, I went to a four-year Christian liberal arts college to study uh, youth ministry. And before I left, I had some Uh, Well-intentioned folks, I think, say something to the effect of, don't let them change you. The fear, I guess, was that a liberal arts education and biblical scholarship would tear up my faith and it wouldn't be the same. So I did certainly go through a phase of deconstructing my faith, and I did that within a great environment that, that challenged and nurtured me. And yes, I did change. But my experience was one of loving God and and seeking knowledge and depth of insight. And so rather than my faith getting chewed up by education and higher criticism and, and theology, I found a God who was big enough to handle those questions and those criticisms, and those doubts, and a God that I grew more and more in love with as I discovered more and more about God. It's one of the wonderful things that the more we get to know about God, the deeper we're willing to go with God, the more of God and Jesus we find to love. You know, sometimes people are happy with a, a basic, maybe uh, children's Sunday school understanding of Jesus. Is that okay? Yeah, I, I guess that's okay. Is that enough? Uh, I guess it depends on what you mean by enough. But I would ask, if you love someone, why wouldn't you want to get to know more about them? Maybe you'll discover even more to love. So as we talk about loving God and knowing God, as we seek to love God more and more, we should seek to grow in our knowledge and our depth of insight more and more. You know, I've never met someone who has run out of things to learn about God. I've never met anyone who has come towards the end of their life and said, I've figured it all out. I've learned all I can from the Bible. There's there's nothing left. Because as we study Scripture, as we learn things about who Jesus is and how Jesus is calling us to act in the world, we find that there's more and more for us to love. There's just this incredible depth to God. This eternal, unending part of God that we just dip our toe into in our lifetime. So what about love for others? As we love others, do we get to know others? I think we are called to love God and love others. And so in loving others, what does it mean for our our knowledge and our depth of insight to grow as we get to know and love other people? Well, I think it means that we're called to get to know people, to, to try and, and see and understand what others go through. It's not enough to just kind of stay back from a distance from someone and say, I love you, but never really get to know who they are. I think one of the biggest examples that I see in our society right now Uh, Comes in trying to understand what's happening with the racial injustice and and the upheaval and and even the violence that's happening around us. You know, I I said in a video um, a couple weeks ago that I am a middle class white Christian American male. Now, let me be clear, I am not apologizing for that. That's who I am. Uh, Most of that I had no control over. And look, I can say that I love my brown and black neighbors and my brothers and sisters, but do I know or have I gained insight into what others deal with? How they experience life or prejudice, or quiet racism that I never see, that I've never experienced. You know, one of my last semesters in college, I took African American lit. It sounds great, it sounds proactive, doesn't it? Well, the truth is that I had missed my opportunity to take Tolkien and C.S. Lewis the semester before. And basically this was one of the few options left for me. But I took the class. And it opened my eyes to history and tradition and the culture of African Americans in a way that I had not experienced before. As a result of that class, I still often try and read Martin Luther King Jr.'s letter from a Birmingham jail, which was written after he was arrested in a protest in Birmingham. And in that letter, he writes to the white male clergy of the town who were upset that an outsider had come into their town and was part of this protest and had been arrested. And they had urged him to just wait, to hold on, to have patience, to stay quiet. I encourage you, if you get a chance, to go and and read this letter. The truth is is that it was written in like 1963, but it could have been written last week. The other book I started reading this week is by Drew Hart, who's a, a black brother from Harrisburg First Church of the Brethren. And he's an assistant professor of theology at Messiah. And his book is The Trouble I've Seen, Changing the Way the Church Views Racism. If you want to love someone, get to know them. Get some perspective into their life and and what they're dealing with. You want to understand why all these things are happening in the world around us, why there's this unrest? Just start by getting to know one other person who isn't like you, who has a different perspective. May your love grow through knowledge and depth of insight. You know, our country, our world is struggling right now. And so much of that comes from an unwillingness to sit down and get to really know others. Someone who is different from you. To hear perspectives that aren't your own. To let love and knowledge grow together. You know, when love and depth of insight grow together, Paul says that the fruit of righteousness comes through Jesus Christ. That fruit grows. That fruit of righteousness grows as we let love and knowledge kind of grow together, it blossoms into that fruit. Loving God and getting to know God more and more. Going to that deeper level of faith, that deeper walk of discipleship. But we also need to get to love and know others around us. Amen? Knowledge without love. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13 that we can have all knowledge, but without love, it's nothing. It's a little like the Pharisees. Lots of knowledge about the the Torah and and the Old Testament. They know their scriptures uh, upside down and inside out. But Jesus criticizes them at one point and says they won't lift a finger to help anyone. See, knowledge without love fails to connect with others. It fails to recognize the humanity of another person. And over time, even the knowledge becomes distorted without being connected to the care and the support of others. On the flip side, love without knowledge. I I, I think that real love pursues insight into God and into others. And without insight and knowledge, love, I think, can become sentimentality. Love without insight and knowledge doesn't hold accountable. It doesn't really connect with what someone else is going through. And so as we seek To love Jesus more and more, let our knowledge and our insight grow too. As we seek to love others, let our knowledge and insight gained from listening and being in relationship with others grow as well. Would you pray with me? Jesus, There's so much going on in the world around us. There's so much unrest. There's so many opinions. There's so much information. And and we don't know how to sort through it all. We don't know how to uh, process it. We don't know even entirely what is true and what's not true. God, we want to love you. God, I believe that we want to love others. So as Paul encourages these Philippians to to let their love and their knowledge, their depth of insight grow together and blossom into the fruit of righteousness, so we are asking for a hunger and a thirst to grow in our love and our knowledge of you to take time to study scripture, to be in prayer, to be in conversation with the church, to be discerning in community. But also, Lord, help our love and our our depth of insight into those around us into others in our own congregation, into others in the community around us. Help us to have insight and knowledge and love for the marginalized and the oppressed and those that feel marginalized and oppressed. God, we confess that we just often don't know what others are going through. We often try and love from a distance and not really get to see what's happening in someone else's life. and So we ask that you would forgive us for that and that you would help us to strive in our love and our depth of insight into you and into others. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. May we discern what is best, and may we be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. May we be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. To the glory and praise of God, go in peace. Have a great week, Spring Creek.